This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Missouri U.S. Senator Roy Blunt. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. The American Sugar Alliance is a national coalition of sugar farmers, processors, refiners, and suppliers dedicated to preserving a strong sugar industry. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with U.S. Senator Roy Blunt next. Sugar subsidies in 120 countries are on the rise and threatening 142,000 U.S. jobs. That's why the American Sugar Alliance is pushing for a global subsidy ceasefire. Their goal is a subsidy-free world market that fosters efficiency. And they know that unilateral disarmament of America's no-cost policy without concessions from abroad will only outsource U.S. jobs and reward foreign subsidizers. The plan is called the Zero for Zero Sugar Policy. You can learn more at SugarAlliance.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. U.S. Senator Roy Blunt believes the country is just three or four common-sense decisions from creating great opportunities for the nation's economy. The Missouri Republican says both he and the American people would like to see the same thing. You know, I think the climate of the of the Congress and the country both are that we'd like to see the government work better, and we'd like to see the government get less involved in the daily activities that people need to be part of to create opportunity. Um, you know, I'm on the Senate Intel Committee. That's the committee that... Actually, a dozen senators hear every bad thing that could possibly happen to the United States and talk a lot about what's happening at the CIA and places like that. But that's not what I'm asked about most of the time when I'm home. What I'm asked about most of the time uh, when I'm home is uh, why are these regulations, uh, these proposed regulations not making sense? Why are the regulations that are out there so hard to to deal with? Uh, What would happen if... Uh, the federal government through the EPA actually got control of basically all the water in the United States, and what impact does that have uh, on uh, the ability of farm families to do what they do? What impact does that have on so many things in our economy? Uh, what happens if our utility bills in the vast middle of the country double uh, because uh, we're not allowing the the, the power generating facilities we have to to lead their serv- to live their serviceable life out? It's just one regulation after another. Remember that regulation, Jeff, a few years ago when there was a serious discussion of whether whether farm kids uh, could actually work on work on the farm or whether you could have whether you could farm without dust. I mean, just. Uh, things that clearly don't make sense, and they certainly don't make sense uh, to people out there looking at a future of great opportunity in energy and agriculture, among other things, if we'll just do two or three common sense things. This Congress spent a lot of time talking about the budget and about spending, but when it came to the end of the fiscal year, we still didn't have a new budget. We're operating under a CR right now. What are the obstacles to a budget deal? Well, one of the obstacles this year to, to having the appropriations process work the right way uh, was that uh, the uh, bills weren't allowed to come to the Senate floor. The, uh, the Senate Appropriating Committee, for the first time in six years, controlled by Republicans, uh, and for the first time in six years, all of the Senate, all the appropriating bills were completed by the committee. First uh, interior uh, appropriations bill that deals with so many of these issues that you talk about every day uh, that had been uh, successfully completed even at the committee level in five years. 
Uh, and uh, the, the problem is we shouldn't ever have to have a budget deal. What we should have is a serious debate on each of these appropriations bills. Every member, uh, the opportunity to say, don't spend the money that way, uh, spend it this way, or don't spend it at all. That used to be the core work of the Congress for a couple hundred years. And uh, the Senate in the last half a dozen years has gotten away from doing people's business in the open, transparent way. It, it should be done. You know, if we do these bills one at a time as they should be done, uh, September 30th, the end of the federal government spending year, is just another date on the calendar. It's not uh, an annual crisis that somehow we haven't gotten any or uh, all of the work done. And if you didn't have all of the work done, that would be one thing. But the year after year not have any of the work done, uh, no wonder people are dissatisfied with uh, their own government. Last week on Open Mic, we had Wisconsin 8th District Representative uh, Reed Ribble. And he wasn't trying to be political, but he said he thought the biggest obstacle to getting a budget deal done was those members of the Senate that are Democrats that have a liberal view of spending in contrast to the conservative leadership role. Well, we, we have, again, we had all the bills uh, marked up. They were all ready to be voted on. They all... Oh, but they all conform with the law. You know, the the law itself sets a cap on how much money can be spent. Uh, the president and apparently most Democrats in the Senate don't agree with the law, so they want to create a crisis where the law doesn't have to be uh, have to be followed. Uh, and um, uh, you know, we brought the defense appropriating bill to the Senate floor, the the first bill that came to the Senate floor. Uh, only one Democrat would provide one of the sixty votes that was needed to go ahead and debate that bill. So, you have fifty four Republicans, one Democrat, uh, four votes short or five votes short of the number you need to debate the bill, the bill's all ready to go. Uh, it, it actually funds the military at the level the president asked for, but apparently the level the president asked for isn't good enough unless you're willing to also spend more money on the EPA and the IRS and these regulatory agencies uh, that um, so many people in Washington think are so important when in the country people understand that they are more, more often than not way out of control and unaccountable. Speaking to the other chamber, there is question now of the Speaker's position in the House. Is that an obstacle now toward so many uh, pending issues that the Congress needs to address? Well, it is. It is an obstacle, and it's a bigger obstacle when, again, uh, the, the Congress hasn't been allowed by just a few people, principally in the Senate, uh, to do its work. So way too much work is coming right down here to the last couple of months of the year, and any disruption in that is a disruption. It's just like if you're on a trip and, and one of your tires goes flat, you're, you're suddenly you're way out of time that you didn't expect to have to deal with the flat tire problem. Uh, so in this case, it's a, a significant problem. The uh, a speaker uh, stepping down, the third person in secession to the uh, the the, uh, the president, the second person in secession to the presidency, uh, and and the one person who has to get a majority of the votes of the entire uh, House of Representatives, uh, and that's going to take some time. And frankly, even after that question is settled of who comes next, it takes a little while for that person. Uh, to really establish uh, the way that they want to uh, act as speaker, and this is this really a bad time for that to happen. But uh, I haven't uh, heard anybody who uh, blames uh, Speaker Boehner for deciding that he'd had enough of the 
of the challenge of the last several years. What is the what is the Senator Blunt version of the job description of the speaker that the roles that that person would need to play to help move this Congress off center? Or can that person move this Congress off center? Well, that person is, has to be a big part of, of moving the Congress. Right now, that person, along with the, the Senate leader, Senator McConnell, and the White House, has to probably are the three principal uh, negotiators in figuring out how do you get things done when the Congress and the President have failed to do their job. The presidents failed to lead within the limits of the law. Uh, the Congress has not been allowed to uh, do its job of funding the government uh, for the same reason that too many people uh, believe that uh, uh, the law doesn't matter here and if you're going to have appropriations bills that uh, don't exceed the spending limit in the law, we just won't debate those bills. Uh, they're, they're totally legal, they're totally within the limits of the law, but we won't debate those bills. And, you know, in the middle of all that, Jeff, uh, we really lose the discussion of the great opportunities that are out there. We're, we're just three or four common sense opportunities from great things happening in the economy, and a lo- an awful lot of them happen in a way that relates to agriculture and food, and, you know, world food demand is going to double in one working lifetime. The biggest area of commerce in the world on any given day is, is food. Uh, that will be twice as big 50 years from now as it is today. So, you know, when I'm talking to uh, young ag leaders or FFA students in those blue coats, I'm just thinking and I'm telling them, if you decide you're going to enter into any any part of, of this process of that part of the economy, whether it's production, agriculture, food processing, commodity trading, figuring out how to ship and, and uh um, and, and compete in a, in a uh, global network that's going to need more and more food all the time. This is a this is a career that's going to be twice as big the day you retire as it was the day you re- you started. And how many chances like that do you ever see come along in a lifetime? And then you combine that with the opportunities of more American energy. If the government would would try to facilitate those economic opportunities instead of stand in the way of them, uh, great things are about to happen uh, for our economy. You're operating under a CR until the 11th of December, and obviously there are those who are already talking about a government shutdown, but you have debt ceiling and you have other issues that are mixed into this debate. What timetable do you see with regard to debt? What timetable do you see to these other elements in front of that looming deadline? Well, I don't know if there's a timetable as much as there is a deadline, and somehow these things need to get done between now and then. Certainly, you know, a debt ceiling without uh, uh, reform in the way we do business is a hard thing for me and other conservatives to accept, that we should raise the debt ceiling and not do anything to deal with the problem that creates the need uh, to raise the debt ceiling uh, is a problem. I do hope that... uh, uh, we can move forward with a highway bill between now and the end of this month. The 29th of October will be the end of, believe it or not, this is a hold your breath sort of moment, the 34th extension, short-term extension of the highway bill since uh, 2009 when President Obama became president. Uh, the, the transportation really matters. It matters in um, in um, the middle of the country where I live, maybe even more than it does in other places, and it's part of looking forward to those great opportunities. So the more things we can take off the table before we get to the uh, first week or two in December, the better off we are. And one of those, I hope, is a multi-year uh, transportation bill. The option to that is the 35th short-term extension 
of one of the things that most people believe the federal government should do, defend the country, have an interstate commerce system that works, and then let's debate about almost everything else. Some are discussing repatriation. Some are discussing a user fee. How do you fund this highway bill? That seems to be the bigger issue. Oh, I think we will not fund it at the federal level with doing anything with gas tax. And so you you can look at a couple of five- or six-year ways to to fund the balance between what the gas tax currently brings in and what are reasonable needs for transportation. It's probably about... uh, um, 17 to 20 billion dollars a year. So how do you get that 100 billion dollars over five years? One would be to encourage bringing back stranded profits uh, overseas at some in some level that encourages people to bring that money back. And remember, when that money comes back, you not only have maybe 10 cents as the tax that goes into the highway fund, but uh, on the rest of that dollar, the rest of that dollar goes back into the economy. So uh, a, a great economic stimulus that frankly there's a big obstacle to, which is the highest corporate tax rate in the world is the obstacle. People don't want to bring that money back at that rate. Another thing to look at might be a production tax of, uh, on energy that would go into the highway fund. Uh, but what we do need is a solid um, way to fill that gap so we can plan ahead. There are lots of studies out there that indicate that any transportation uh, bill that's less than a couple of years, you, you essentially pay a 30% premium. Uh, people uh, don't don't feel good about moving their employees to a job site. They don't quite figure out how to depreciate the new equipment they might need to build that large section of road or something that if you had five or six years, uh, you knew that you were going to be working with a highway system. And also, if you have a five or six-year highway bill, uh, state governments can look at the, the long-term uh, structure that the federal government's put in place and decide what they need to do with their own funding uh, to be as big a part of that transportation uh, infrastructure as they can be. Where do the tax extenders and consideration of tax extenders fit? Would this be an 11th hour deal again? Well, you know, the most I thought the last Congress was one of the most embarrassing uh, Congresses uh, in a long time. And one of the embarrassing moments was with the tax extenders that are supposed to drive economic activity. Uh, we extended them for a couple of weeks. Couldn't even extend them for a year in a couple of weeks. We extended them for a couple of weeks. Uh, lots of people looking particularly at expensing as it relates to farm equipment uh, and uh, figuring out how quickly they can go ahead and make that purchase before the end of the year now that suddenly the the 179 expensing is there uh but uh i would uh, i think we surely are close to the time with these tax extenders uh, when either they make sense and should become permanent uh or they don't make sense and uh, we should do away with them but can it, it, having tax extenders that are extended for just a few weeks at the end of a of a spending year uh, it doesn't make sense, and everybody knows it doesn't make sense. Well, like I said, we're we're three or four common sense decisions away from really good things happening in the economy, and three or four uh, foolish decisions away from creating real obstacles to uh, the things that can't happen. Senator, an Ohio court has provided a national stay for the EPA's new clean water rules. Does this promote the Senate to take up House language to go back and rewrite the rule, or is this something addressed in funding uh, with regard to the EPA budget? 
Well, I, I don't think the EPA has the authority to, to move forward on this rule. I was particularly pleased to see the court stay because once the rule goes into effect, even if you have some certainty that within a year or two, uh, the Supreme Court will say that the EPA didn't have the authority to make the rule, um, then a lot of actions have already been taken, like the 1,500 power plants that were closed before the Supreme Court said the mercury standards rule was way beyond EPA's authority. Uh, so I'm glad to see this day. Uh, I, the stay. Remember, the president has to sign anything that has a long or short-term impact on that rule, and probably the most likely thing to get the president to sign uh, is language that we already have in the Interior Appropriations Bill that I voted for as a member of the Appropriating Committee and a member of that subcommittee both that says no money can be spent to implement this rule. That is an effective way uh, to stop a rule from uh, going into effect, and if it's part of a bill that the president uh, is willing to sign at the end of the year, and I hope it is, uh, then we have another year for the American people to think about the real impact of what happens if uh, the federal government somehow decides that all the water in the United States of America is navigable. And that, that, that discussion, by the way, would get you laughed out of most coffee shops anywhere that I can think of uh, in the state of Missouri. A couple of quick questions on trade with regard to country of origin labeling. The Senate is yet to act. The Senate has not acted yet, and I think the Senate should act. Um, what we don't want to see happen is the uh, the penalty uh, phase go in that uh, both Canada and Mexico are willing to uh, move forward to. But my, my sense is they'd rather not move forward. They'd rather have us go back and get within the standards uh, that we should be in. A country of origin labeling is way too complicated. Uh, it uh, doesn't really serve a purpose uh, there are plenty of uh, uh, plenty of rules and regulations and inspections that ensure the quality of that product before it's available uh, to Americans to buy. And um, I think uh, we've seen the disaster that the country of origin labeling has created, and seen that if we're going to have trading partners, you can't put up this kind of obstacles to those trading partners and still have the opportunity to sell them more than we buy from them. Is it too soon to pass judgment on the TPP agreement? Yes, it is too soon, and I think it generally looks like it's pretty good for agriculture, uh, but we're not going to be voting on that agreement in a long time, and uh, I had a chance last week to uh, meet with the U.S. Trade Ambassador on this, and uh, we'll be, uh, and also to talk to a lot of uh, Missouri ag groups when the uh, Japanese ambassador was in Missouri talking about uh, food issues, and uh, I, I think we're going to have plenty of time to look at this agreement and uh, decide if um, it's acceptable or not. Senator, the last question before we go to close. Do you see the Senate addressing GMO food labeling? Well, one thing I, I do see on this and so many other issues is you can't wind up with uh, with more than 50 different standards. Uh, that, that won't work in, uh, in what we need to do. Um, and um, you're, you're not going to meet the world food demand increase without uh, without using science. Uh, so I, I would expect that both the House and Senate in the near future are going to deal with that issue. Senator Blunt, we want to thank you so much for spending time with us here on Open Mic. Sir, it is an open mic, and we offer you the audience. 
Well, let me just repeat myself on the open mic part of what we're talking about is uh, we've got a world of great opportunities out there, particularly that relate to agriculture, uh, a uh, economy that grows things and makes things is stronger than an economy where people just trade services. Uh, we can see that economy right out there in front of us and the opportunity of things coming together to make that economy a reality. And just like the energy economy, we're going to have some good days ahead of us for agriculture, but they can be great days. The energy economy has been very strong with the federal government doing everything it could possibly do to slow that that opportunity down. We don't need to see the same thing happen in agriculture, and we don't need to let the same thing continue to happen in energy. Uh, both those things are good for uh, the kind of opportunities they're going to create, and they're going to be good for farm families uh, all over the country. Our thanks to Missouri U.S. Senator Roy Blunt, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. The American Sugar Alliance is a national coalition of sugar farmers, processors, refiners, and suppliers dedicated to preserving a strong sugar industry. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Kelly.